Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Ryan Murdoch from Open Door Capital. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Ryan spent 10 years in the semiconductor manufacturing industry before transitioning to real estate investing and property management in 2007. Since then, he has steadily acquired a solid portfolio of multifamily rental properties. He has extensive management experience in many facets of real estate, including retail, office, multifamily, HOA, and especially our favorite mobile home parks, including nationwide consulting and turnaround projects. As a co-founder of Open Door Capital, Ryan played a critical role in early operations and assembling some of the experienced team they have today. He continues to provide value through an ongoing advisory role and targeted projects. In his spare time, he's an avid scuba diver and adventure seeker from his home base in Maui, Hawaii. Ryan, we are excited to welcome you to the show. Hey, good morning, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's afternoon, my time, dude. Oh, sorry. Yeah, must uh, be morning, right? Yeah, I'm always behind the curve. <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe you could start out. I'm excited to hear your story and how you got into manufactured housing communities. The experience of multifamily started with a management company that I'd started probably uh, 2007, 2008. I was buying some small multifamily stuff, kind of started my own property management company as a complement to that. Uh, also was a real estate broker for 10 to 12 years. But uh, I found that as I was expanding my management business, there was a, there was a real need for mobile home park management. Uh, there were a lot of mobile home parks in my area. Nobody was managing them well. Uh, I really didn't have any relevant experience, but uh, you know, took on uh, a couple of small parks here and there and, and, and steadily grew the, the number of parks that I was managing and the size of them just through just a lot of trial and error, as much as I hate to admit it early on, uh, but, got, but got some pretty good systems in place and was certainly doing it better than anybody else in the area. So uh, it, it really just grew from there. That is fantastic. And that was up in the Northeast, if I recall, right? Yeah, I was, I was based out of Maine originally. So everything around uh, the Bangor, Maine area, you know, we had uh, several hundred units, uh, which actually we grew to several thousand units uh, over the course of five years. And uh, I don't know, eight, 10, 12 mobile home parks in, in that mix. Wow, that is, that is fantastic. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about Open Door Capital, what you're working on now. Sure. So that's kind of been where I focused my efforts over the past four or five years is is uh, uh, partnered up with with Brandon Turner, who uh, five years ago uh, was very vocal in his search for a mobile home park. He wanted to start uh, investing in that asset class. And I actually had found a park in, in my area that fit his criteria, uh, sent it over to him. And long story short, we ended up partnering on that. And that was my first real equity piece of, of, of any mobile home park. I owned other properties, obviously, and managed other mobile home parks, but that was our first foray into, into actually buying one. And uh, I think we, we bought that uh, right around uh, January of 2018. We owned that for, for about a year. It was a real value-add project. It was a smaller park, but heavy, heavy value-add, real heavy lift, uh, but it worked well. I was kind of the boots on the ground, did a lot of infill and some improvements, and we sold that park just after two years. 
for really strong return. Uh, I think, you know, I think we paid just around a million for it and sold it for like 1.8 million and all the, you know, all the improvements and everything were done out of the cash flow of the park. Uh, didn't really require much additional capital from us. So a uh, very small park wow. size, but it was a test bed of like, Hey, uh, this model actually works. Let's take this show on the road and, and see what we can build from there. So in the past four years or so, we've, I think we've acquired just over 35 parks. We've done six funds, uh, 506C syndications where we, we raise investor capital. Uh, we've got around, I think it's 5,500 lots and probably 220, 250 million in uh, uh, acquisitions for for mobile home parks, in addition to the multifamily stuff that we do as well. Wow. that That is such an awesome story. And literally, it was just like a cold outreach, right? To reach out to Brandon. You just had heard him on Bigger Pockets and just said, hey, I got a deal. Let's talk. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've told the story a million times, but it, you know, that was very much outside of my normal comfort zone is to like reach out and communicate with other human beings, especially over a deal that I thought was kind of a hail Mary. Like there's no way he's going to want this, but uh, you know, it just goes to show, get out of your comfort zone and, 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 you know, do, do those uncomfortable things, make those connections, continue to network and, and uh, uh, big things can happen from it. (laughs) Big things for sure. Let me ask you this. What do you think is the toughest hurdle for most operators in mobile home park ownership? I think there's this perception that that mobile home parks are very easy to manage. You know, the, the you hear about hey, the tenants own all their own their own homes. They're in charge of all their own maintenance and, and repairs. It's it's really easy to manage these things, which is the goal and and where some parks can can certainly get to. And that's that's what we strive for on all of our acquisitions. But I don't know about you, but I've never had one start out that way. Uh, they're, no. they're always they're always some sort of train wreck taking over. You know, especially if you're targeting value add stuff that requires infill, or maybe it's been a mismanaged park, or you know that kind of thing, which is a lot where a lot of the opportunity lies to to make a lot of money. But they are very management intensive, or or, or can be. Uh, I think we have some excellent systems in place. We have some amazing people that do the hands-on management. We're, we're vertically inter- in, integrated in on the mobile home park side, so we do everything in house. But man, it's it's a lot of work and you know, people get into it just thinking they're going to do it, uh, you know, quote unquote, passively as a part-time gig. A lot of them are in for, for a rude awakening on just how much, uh, how much work it can take. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, that's the number one thing I would say as well is the management is not passive. It is very active. You have to be hands-on with it or it'll run away with you. You know, like we, we try to visit all of our mobile home parks every quarter and, you know, within that three month span, you could show up and there's appliances on the roads and, and hiding behind homes and things like that. And we do drive through videos every month, but you know, they, it's just the stuff you don't see from, from the drive by that adds up and it can, it can get, get out of hand real fast. So for sure. Yeah. It's I a agree. real slippery slope if you're not right on top of it. Totally. Yeah. So I know you've done a lot of value add parks. What would you say is the hardest value add component in mobile home parks and why? I think recently it's just been sourcing homes. So our target park is is generally sixty to seventy percent occupied. So you know, say on a hundred lot park, we 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 have to infill twenty, thirty, sometimes a few more lots. And you know, pre COVID, I think it was easier to to source mobile homes, whether it be used or or new. Certainly since COVID and and supply chain issues, the new ones, the the waiting list is is a lot longer for those. You know, you might previously be on a, a six month lead time. And, and recently it's been 12 to 24 month lead time. Uh, we found some avenues to try to skip to the front of that line a little bit, but that's certainly been a challenge. And then of course, as you know, mobile home parks in general have become more popular, even sourcing used homes has, has been more yeah. of a challenge. Everybody wants to do it now. So, you know, we're, we're, we're scrubbing, you know, wholesale lists where, 
you know, keeping our eyes on all the Facebook marketplaces local to, to our parks and, and nationwide. So uh, we're certainly getting it done, but uh, it, it's been a little more of a challenge uh, for, for the infill piece uh, over the past couple of years. Yeah, I agree. What, what would you say is the opposite? What's the easiest, you know, value add component? And in- The easiest would be to just taking over poorly managed parks. You know, you walk into a place that has been poorly managed over the, over the handful of years prior to our ownership. And that's like the easiest low hanging fruit is, you know, whether it be the tenant relations or, or your rent collection procedure, or just sometimes it's, you know, you take over stuff that was dealt with on a handwritten ledger and, and bringing in some actual management software. So- and software. Yeah. And, yeah. And some consistency and leases and rules and people that are able to implement those and follow through with, with a large amount of consistency. I mean, just that alone can add a tremendous amount of value to your park. Even if you don't do any infill, just go in and, and clean up the management efficiencies. And again, it's it's a ton of work, but we have we have great people and great systems. And, and that's that's the easy, you know, right from right from day one, we can start turning that stuff around. Yeah, I think that's one thing about mobile home parks as an asset class, you know, having so many mom and pop owned, you know, parks, there is a lot of meat on the bone. So that's, that's really good that you guys have those systems down and and can improve those. What would you say your mobile home park investment strategy is today? And how has that changed over your years in the business? I think we're, we're, we're definitely targeting larger and higher caliber parks. I mean, we still want and need that value add component for it to make sense. But I'm seeing definitely an improvement in the overall quality of the parks we're buying. If you look back to our first fund versus I, we're about to kick off, I think our, our seventh fund, and we've already got some some things in the pipeline for that. And it's just, it's just a higher quality of park, you know, and, and there's probably a few different reasons for that. I mean, certainly we're, we're, we're much more established these days in the eyes of the brokers. And as you know, it's a very small broker community that deals with these larger parks nationwide. So I think we're getting a, a closer look early on at, at some of these things before they're shopped widely or, or certainly publicly marketed. Uh, so we're getting an opportunity to, to bid on some of those uh, right out of the right out of the shoot. You know, our, our management has gotten a lot better. You know, our, our margins on that are slimmer, so we're able to to maybe buy at a little higher price. We're getting better debt terms with uh, some lenders that we've you know we've got established relationships with. So uh, certainly going after higher quality parks with you know slightly higher purchase price, but the uh, the projections on those are good, and, and the management should be a little easier because they're not quite as heavy of a lift. Just to repeat some of those things you said, because I think a lot of people know that you know the bigger firms go after these larger, better quality parks, but they don't really know why, like what how it makes sense, right? And I think some of the things you said is, hey, the management should be easier, right? Because you should be able to pay an onsite manager more, and you know uh, that's part of it. You should get better debt terms. Right, because you're you're able to get more capital out, and typically banks, you know, want that they 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 want those higher loan amount deals, and then uh, because your 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 management systems are better, you, your expense ratios on the management are probably a little bit lower, so you're able to kind of pay up. Where other groups that don't have the scale and they don't have the team and the management fee side of things, they probably couldn't couldn't afford to do that. Is that yep, certainly? And and now that we have as many parks as we do, and that continues to grow just proximity to other parks will, will pique our interest mm. or allow us to maybe pay a hair or more for a park. If we've got another one or two right down the street, so we, we can share uh, manage sometimes managers. And if not, then then definitely share some, some, some of the efficiencies by, uh, you know, tapping into systems and, and, you know, the, the maintenance guys and, and the rehab crews and, and all the systems we have in place in one specific geographic area certainly makes it much more appealing to, to go after something else that, that's very nearby. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, just having all of those contractors that you, you've worked with before to be able to start brand new, 
you know, versus starting from scratch somewhere brand new is is such a big deal. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the management company. Like, what does that look like? How many team members is there? What type of divisions do you have? Do you have like regional managers that are like in parts of the country or because I think you guys are, are fairly spread out, right? You guys don't target like one specific area. No, we're we're really spread out. I mean, we we prefer the kind of the southeast Sunbelt stuff, uh, but we have parks sure. everywhere from Florida to Alaska and everywhere in between. So certainly, all all the parks, uh, of course, have on-site managers, and, and as we all know, the their skill level varies. Um, usually, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty basic in what they're able to do, but we've got some some great people there. Uh, all of those on-site park managers are overseen by regional managers. Uh, who are uh, the bulk of them are, are based kind of out of the Atlanta area, but we have uh, certainly regional managers all over the country. A lot of people are, are working remote, never have seen the inside of our office, uh, and, and we're fine with that. And all of those are overseen by our, our VP of, of property management. So we're open door capital. We've got a completely separate. Uh, it's, it's open management, which is the open, uh, which is the property management arm. It runs as its own freestanding company. Obviously, you know we're we're, we're sharing resources across uh, open door capital and and open management, but that's a freestanding entity. Uh, it is nice that uh, since we do manage all of our own stuff, our, our property management company doesn't necessarily need to run at a profit as as would, a, you know, if, if, if you're owning parks all over the country and, and you've got to hire third party management, number one, you might not be able to find anybody. You know, that was certainly a decision we had to make early on is it's not like buying tires where you can just go to the store and pull them off the shelf and they're the same as everywhere else. Sometimes you might find a great deal on a great property, but there is just not any viable management uh, options there. So no better way to, to, to ruin a good property than to put a bad property manager in there. So, you know, so that that's why we, we built this out. But our property management company really if it runs at a break even, we're okay with that because our, our goal obviously is to increase the value of, of the properties themselves. So it's not like we have to run that property management company at a significant profit. As long as it's break even, it covers the overhead. We're good, which makes us a little more competitive when, when we're offering on stuff because our, our property management definitely costs us a little less than, than it would if we were going out for, for a third party management company. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, we do the same thing. Where do you feel is the best opportunity or strategy right now in the marketplace for? mobile home parks and, and mobile home park investing. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a strange environment out there right now. I mean, you, I don't know what you've seen, but uh, you know, we're seeing things retraded a lot. We've always kind of mm. uh, prided ourselves on on both the the mobile home park side and the multifamily side of like we 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 don't retrade. Uh, we're not there to bait and switch and you know, the brokers certainly don't like it. It just wastes everybody's time. Uh, but in this environment, both on the buying side and trying to sell things, there's been a lot of retrading going on from from people, uh, not just us, but other operators that wouldn't necessarily retrade that that really have to. Uh, whether it's their their debt chain terms are changing, uncertainty in the market. There's a lot of different factors right now, but uh, I think still just the ability to to get it done. And and if if on a couple of things that we have had to retrade, like there's been really solid reasoning behind it. And we're still able to close. So we've certainly seen a lot of deals just fall out of market. Like they just they just can't yeah. or won't get it done. So the brokers are bringing them to us saying, you know, we know we know you guys can, can make it happen. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there where other other buyers just can't can't push things across the finish line for one reason or another. And we're able to to pounce on those and and take them. And of course the deal still needs to make sense for us. But uh, there's a lot of people that they have sensible deals, uh, very conservative underwriting, very uh, promising deals that they just can't. That they can't they can't get it done. So we we, we definitely seen some opportunity there. Yeah, we had a deal just a couple of months ago fall out of contract because the the financing changed like at the last minute. Luckily, our escrow money hadn't gone hard yet, but yep. the the bank came to us and said, "Hey, you know, from the loan committee, we're going to have to change your terms to this." And I was like, "Okay, this this doesn't work anymore." So yeah, yep. it's uh it's interesting times for sure with what rates are doing. 
Maybe you could touch on that a little bit. You know, what do you think the economy is going to look like in the next 18 to 24 months? And how do you think mobile home parks will fare, you know, given all of that? Yeah. I mean, if I had a crystal ball, I'd, I'd, I'd be making a lot more money than I do now. So, I mean, <laughs> and anything is possible. I, I can tell you that what what we've seen and what we're doing is we're going in with our underwriting and our debt terms a, a lot more conservatively than, than we would have a couple of years ago. And I know everybody says they're conservative on their underwriting, but uh, you know, if we're if we're getting bridged at on on any of our properties now, we're certainly buying rate caps. I think you know, years ago we would have been willing to roll the dice and, and not do that. Uh, we're going in much lower leverage, you know, even on on a property that maybe we could have gotten seventy five or or eighty percent LTV right out of the gate. We're not doing that anymore. We're we're targeting that kind of sixty to sixty five percent LTV. It just gives us a lot more options. Uh, I mean, certainly we hope that uh, even if rates continue to climb, that they they will they will creep back down again by the time it's we're ready to exit or or refi. But if it's not, uh, just going in much lower leverage uh, just gives us more more flexibility uh, when it when it does come time to to refinance or sell. And that's tough because the lower leverage you have, the the more capital you have to bring to the deal, the uh, the lower those promoted returns are in our, in our advertising and in our marketing. But we, we we just sleep a lot better at night knowing that. Uh, you know, we've, we've kind of taken those additional conservative measures. So if the economy stabilizes and, and people are okay with it and, and rates stay, you know, somewhat realistic, then, then then great. That's just more meat on the bone for us. If things continue to go sideways, then, you know, we feel that we're pretty protected. I mean, you know, let's face it, uh, mobile home parks are, you know, generally uh, standard, uh, you know, workforce housing. And there always seems to be a demand for that. I think that's why both of us, you and I are in this business is no matter what economy, there's, there's always a demand for that. And, and if it comes to a point that there isn't anymore, then we've got problems, presumably way worse than, than hitting returns. But, uh, you know, we're, we, we try to be very uh, responsible stewards of our investor capital and make sure that we're not, uh, we're not overpaying and we're not going in over leveraged on, on, on anything. I know like early in the year, uh, when we launched the fund, you know, uh, you know, I think we 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 raised thirty million in, in less than a week. It was it was really simple for us as it as it has been. Uh, we've got our golden goose, Brandon uh, Turner, who will just post on Instagram that we need some money, and and then it all comes in. Uh, you know, what was around April, May, June uh, when when stocks and crypto and uh, started to slide and, and interest rates uh, increased. Uh, we we saw a noticeable difference, and in, in all, all of a sudden it was it was a little harder to, to raise money uh, instead of. Uh, you know, just watching it uh, walk in through the door on its own, we actually had to be a lot more proactive, uh, spent a lot more time on the phone with investors, uh, had to sharpen our pencil on our underwriting. You've mentioned, uh, I think even before we got on this, but we were doing a lot more uh, actual advertising, which we hadn't had to do before between Facebook ads and Google ads and, and all that stuff. Uh, just, a, just a larger outreach and, and, you know, try to try to widen our net and we were able to do it, uh, but th those few months where it was, it was, it was something that we hadn't seen before. And I think even as recently as this month on, on our most current raise, that initial panic from the the market pullback seems to have subsided. People are like, okay, yeah. things are not like they were six or eight months ago, but the world hasn't completely fallen apart yet. And and you know we're we're seeing that that ease of uh, of capital raising again. So I don't know. What does that does that get better? Does that get worse next year? We're bracing for it to get worse, and, and obviously hoping that it, that it, that it gets better. Yeah, I, I do think that mobile home parks are moated and, you know, I, I, not to say that they won't be uh, impacted at all, but I, I think they, the resistance of the asset class has been proven, right, from, from previous recessions. So we'll see uh, kind of how that plays out. Uh, back, to your, back to your history with mobile home parks, you know, what mistakes in mobile home park investing have you made that, you know, we could learn from? 
Yeah, I think it's the one that like, if I go back to even my early days of, of just managing other properties and, and either being in charge of the management or, or kind of helping the owners do it is, is just like under budgeting for, for CapEx stuff. And I, I think in any asset class, that'll bite you, right? And that's probably a very common mistake, but you know, between, between infill and surprises and you know, failed infrastructure, if you, if you haven't done adequate due diligence, like you gotta put in uh, whatever you think it's gonna be and then, then a significant buffer on, on top of that. Uh, Cause it just, uh, I've seen parks go uh, very bad, very quick, uh, just because they were undercapitalized, uh, you know, thought that they would hit the ground running and didn't. And uh, that's uh, again, why we, I think we tend to be very conservative on our, on our reserve capital. And, and again, that, that negatively affects investor returns. So it's a, it's a delicate balance, but we wanna make sure that we do not get uh, blindsided with anything. And you know, we, we do a ton of due diligence up front. And uh, you know, I'm always thankful that I had started and learned these lessons on the smaller properties years ago, because those mistakes are uh, generally uh, survivable when, when the dollar Cheaper. amounts are, yeah. are small. Yeah, yeah, but you, know, you, get, you get caught up you know, in over your head on a, on a, a 10 or $20 million property. And, and, and those mistakes get a lot more costly. So good, good to bang your head and stub your toes early on, on the, on the cheaper stuff. So that, uh, you know, by the time you're on the bigger stage, it, 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 you're, you're older and wiser. I certainly am. That is a, that is a great tip. This is a question I ask all the operators that come on the show and it's our, our, you know, the listener's favorite question. What are the most important uh, things that passive investors, we're talking to LPs, need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of answers to that, but I, I would I would give the same advice for, for any sponsor, whether it's mobile home park, multifamily, stealth storage, whatever, is you, you really got to put a lot of focus on, on the team, on, on the operators. I mean, you can you can second guess somebody's underwriting all day long until you're blue in the face. But you, ultimately, you need to you, you need to rely on your team. You're giving your money to people who will have complete control of it. I mean, it's a, generally a very illiquid investment for, for on the LP side. And so, I know when I'm investing in other people's deals, I want to know uh, I want to know that the, the team most often personally because I have prior relationships with them. I certainly want to know how long they've been in operation. I want to know what their experience level is. You know, there's some great operators out. Out there, but I've been seeing some stuff, especially recently, uh, that you look at the returns or, or whatever the, the goal is, and you're like, man, these are these are crazy great returns. And, and then you dig in a little bit and realize that it's those operators' first deals, and they've underwritten uh, rent growth uh, to be on on par with what we've seen for the past three or four years, and a bunch of other stuff that you know the red flags just immediately start going up. So definitely want to I want to know about the team. I want to know about the the experience, the, the track record. I, I always like to know how much the GPS are throwing in of their own money right alongside the LPs and, and LP shares. And I know we personally as general partners invest in, in all of our deals uh, on, on the LP side. Not all operators do it. And because they don't, doesn't necessarily mean it, it, it's a bad thing, but I feel a lot more comfortable when, when I know that the GPs have significant skin in the game. So they've got a lot at stake, uh, both from the GP side. And then if the thing goes bad, like they stand to lose probably a lot more money than I do as the investor that, uh, that, that invested my capital. So. Great insights there. Uh, you, you brought up one uh, one thing about rent growth numbers, and I wanted to ask, what is the appropriate or customary amount? You know, you feel comfortable raising rents year one, two. Sometimes, what looks good on a spreadsheet doesn't play out well in, in real life. So, I mean, the, there are some operators, and Andrew, if you're one of them, I apologize, but go in there and just. Uh, double rents on, on day one. Cause it makes your, it makes your numbers look great. And, and I don't want to end up in the newspaper. 
Yeah, that's no, that, that's exactly it. That, that, that's, that's one of the huge points is, is, I mean, we do try to maintain some level of humanity and these are actual people. A lot of them have been long-term residents and, and maybe the, the previous owner hasn't kept up nearly like they, they, they could or, or, or should have with, with gradual rent increases. So uh, yeah, we've, we've certainly uh, acquired some deals where uh, on paper, justifiable to all the comps in the area, we can go in and, and double the rent on day one and, and we're still under market. But we, we don't want to displace and, and, and ruin people's lives, uh, both from, from the humanitarian aspect. And if you double their rent and they, they can't afford that, maybe half your park's going to be empty uh, within six months. So that's no good. And then certainly the, the, the bad press that goes along with that, like we don't want to end up on the six o'clock news. N- nobody does for, for, for those reasons. Um, you know, so we, we, we it, it, obviously we take it each market at a time and, and, you know, the overall situation of how low the rents are, but you know, we, we really try not to go up any more than, you know, 50, 75 bucks a year on rent. Sometimes it's less than that. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's it might be 35 in the first year and then, you know, 25 uh, each year after But we try to be very, very sensitive to the overall situation. I mean, we're, we're running a business. Obviously we are costs for everybody are going to the roof on, on everything. So your project needs to be viable, but we try not to, to, to push the envelope and, and hurt anybody any more than we have to. Yeah. Same here. And, it, and it's, it's crazy because apartment rents just keep climbing. Right. And, and there's no like remorse there. Right. But on the mobile home park side of things, there is this, this stigma around uh, raising rents to market. So yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly, but if we just, have a vacancy or, or infill a vacant lot, I mean, that one's, that one's fair game, right? You can set your price at whatever you want sure. for, for a new incoming tenant, but we certainly try to be sensitive to those existing residents. Uh, what does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes and why? Uh, one that we just sold for like 10 times what we paid for it would be great. <laughs> uh, no, okay. I mean, we, we have a pretty standard buy box. I mean, that, that hundred lots or, or larger, we want public water, public sewer. We, we don't want to deal with any private utilities. Uh, we want a, 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 a solid SMA. So a hundred thousand people or more within say a, a 10 mile radius. And we want that population to either have been steady, uh, preferably uh, increasing significantly over, over the past handful of years. Uh, and that 20 to 30% uh, vacancy. I mean, we, we, we need that value add component. We're not out there competing with the institutional buyers for these turnkey, you know, 4% return parks. It just doesn't fit our profile. So yeah, I mean, we, we're pretty dialed in on, on our criteria and what we want. Uh, which is something that we we weren't originally, and and you know for people that are getting started in this business, you know I, I think our net was was way too wide. We we're looking at pretty much anything and everything. So from you know thirty to fifty lot parks with 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 septic and and wells, which I mean, people do well with those too. We just don't. We realized quickly that we didn't want to buy anything with with private utilities, but it was taking up a ton of our bandwidth just trying to underwrite. So it wasn't until we really yeah. dialed in our criteria to what I just mentioned, you know, 100 lot park, public water, public sewer, and the, the population statistics, like that weeded out 80% of the noise in our world. And we were able to actually focus on what we knew that we wanted to buy. And your criteria will be different for, for everybody, uh, but we knew what worked for us. And, and we were able to just run much more efficiently, especially on the acquisition side, when we uh, just quickly got to a no on, on a lot of the properties that were coming across our desk. That's very smart. Uh, what do you guys underwrite to, you know, like, do you have like an end of year one or an end of year two type of cap rate that you target? Yeah, you have to bring on some of our underwriting team members to uh, get that far into the weeds. I'm pretty far removed from from the day to day at this point. Uh, I know that, you know, cap rate going in really I mean, it matters, but not that much because we know we're going to change it immediately, uh, either through the management efficiencies or, or, or infill. 
you know, our, our general projected returns, you know, we want to, we're, we're projecting typically a five to seven year hold and a, and a you know, whatever, 16 to 20% IRR uh, over that period in a seven to 8% PREF. So uh, again, that varies uh, depending on, on what we're doing. The reason we like the fund model is because we can, you know, if we put five or six uh, properties in, in one fund, there may be a mix in there of properties that we couldn't buy individually. Uh, maybe you do go after a more stabilized one. Uh, the infill potential isn't there, but man, it's in a great market. The chance for appreciation is there, but uh, you know the the overall returns are are so low that we couldn't buy that on our own. But if we if we blend that with uh, one or two other more value add parks, I mean they they still have to be good buys, but um, you know something something that's more value add that that cash flow generally in the early years is is not there uh, just due to the the capital intense nature of a turnaround. But if if, if we can blend different profiles of parks and and, and achieve our overall fund level return. We love to do that. It just gives us a lot more flexibility and, and, and buying power because we can go after parks that we that we know no way that we, we could or would want to buy on, on their own. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Having a fund to be able to balance that out is is very beneficial. Yeah. It allows um, us to allows us to diversify a lot more as operators. And and I think it's 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 a lot less risky for for the LPs. And you've just got you've got diversification diversification across multiple properties and, and multiple markets and, and, and different profiles. Totally. On the the infill that you guys target, are you guys paying, you know, for the for the vacant lots? Do you guys pay uh, for some of that? I get that question a lot from other operators. Yeah, I mean, generally, no. I mean, if the lot is not generating any income, it, it you know, it doesn't affect the NOI. And then, it, 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 you know, we're, we're not going to pay full price for, for a lot that's not generating any income. Uh, do we sometimes pay a small premium for that because we realize the the potential? Sure. Uh, that goes into the mix. Uh, what what I really get a good laugh out of a lot of times is you know you'll buy a park and and hey it comes with thirty extra acres that you can you can double the size of the park and they they'll try to price it on that and I mean number one we're not in development anything and and again there's a lot of money to be made in that that's just not what we do so we're not we're definitely not not adding any value at all really to to additional development. Uh, acreage, uh, except in very, very specific examples. But yeah, so the, the, the vacant lots, they're worth something to us, but we don't, we don't price them as if they were you know, fully occupied and functional, of course. Of course gotcha. Yeah. That's the same with us. There's, there's lower hanging fruit out there buying from mom and pops and adding value than developing new because it's, it's very expensive and uh, yeah, just, just an easier, easier base hit. Well, Ryan, I'm very thankful that you came on the show. If any of our listeners would like to get a hold of you or Open Door Capital, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Our website's probably the best place to start. It's ODC, like Open Door Capital Fund, F-U-N-D. So odcfund.com. Uh, you can email me, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at odcfund.com. And I'm on most of the social media, Facebook and, and Instagram, if you want to see uh, mostly non-real estate uh, related stupid things that I do during the day. So uh, yeah, you can catch me <laughs> in any, any of those spots. Awesome, Ryan. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. Thanks so much. It's great chatting with you. That's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Would you like to see Mobile Home Park value-add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram at PassiveMHPInvesting for photos and awesome videos from our recent Mobile Home Park acquisitions. Once again, that's at PassiveMHPInvesting on Instagram. See you there.